Listening Dog Media. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan, and a Liverpool fan. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Offside Rule podcast. And we are once again reunited. Hayley McQueen joins myself, Lindsay Hooper and Kate Borsay, and you are back from a lovely holiday. Do you have a nice time? Oh, Thailand, amazing. Take me back, please. It's <laughs> just not fair. I'm trying to think of a footballing connection where we could get you back to Thailand, but I'm sorry, I can't think of one. Jay Bothroyd's playing out there in Thailand, isn't he? Weird. Linked with Peter Reid, national manager, and Brian Robson as well. So there are football links there, but at the moment it would have to be extremely tedious (laughs) to get me there. Let's talk about what's coming up on the show. Uh, We'll be talking topic two, down and outs. Um, All of the talk recently has been about the title race, hasn't it, in the Premier League? So we're actually going to talk relegation. Also, football donations. Um, Lauren Koscielny donated half a million pounds to save an accordion factory in France. Lovely story. That was You found that, Kate? Yeah, I did. I thought, I thought it was very nice of him indeed. I don't know whether he plays the um, accordion or not, but many more people will be playing accordions thanks to Lauren Koscielny. <laughs> uh, don't do accordion impression. Um, and we're going to make three donations of our own. Um, we're going to be creative with them as well. I've actually put down here, it can be money, an object or a human being. But we're going to start by talking final flair. Um, rarely do you see 35-yard eye-popping goals, um, let alone in a cup final. Yaya Torre, spectacular goal. Did you see that in the Carling Cup final? It was amazing. I loved it. I was working on Sunday night, so I got the chance to see it many times over. It was a thunderous strike indeed, wasn't it? It was, and I think it really sent them on their way. And, of course, um, Sunderland, they, they put up a good fight, but unfortunately wasn't good enough. Do you know, do you know what was funny until then? Yaya Torre really hadn't contributed that much mm. to the game, but he's such a good player. It takes one little thing like that mm. to turn the game on its head and turn it in Manchester City's favour. But that's, that's how good he spent the first half, so pretty much just strolling around the pitch, mm. doing his thing. Then up pops the wonder goal. Well, it's got us thinking about other spectacular goals. I wanted both of you to pick out your two favourite goals that have come in important football 
football finals. So we're talking either playoff finals from up and down the league, FA Cup final, Carling Cup finals, European finals, anything like that. Um, what have you got? We're going to start as usual when Hayley McQueen is back in the fold with the lady herself. Oh, I'm going to go to a cup final that I was at and a goal that broke my heart. 1997 FA Cup final at the time. The quickest goal ever scored in a final. Roberto Di Matteo, the little magician, after just 42 seconds, puts a wonder strike past Middlesbrough, which was a season of horror for them. Not only did they get to a cup final and lose it, they got relegated as well. So there you have it. It was terrible for Middlesbrough fans but really brilliant football played uh, by Chelsea. They of course went on to to lift the cup with a 2-0 victory. It was a wonderful, wonderful strike. A dipping dive from way outside the penalty area crashed in off the underside of the bar with poor Ben Roberts and his girly hairband in goal just looking (laughs) terribly lost. Kate, let's get one from you. I can't help it. As a Liverpool fan, I'd be disloyal to my club, not to point this out. Talking of 35-yard thumpers. I've got to go back to 2006, FA Cup final against West Ham. The goal from Steven Gerrard um, that turned it all around it has to be said. Basically West Ham 2-0 up for um, quite a bit of the game and then uh, came back to 3-2. It took this wonderful strike from Steven Gerrard to send the game uh, level at the end on 3-0 into extra time and penalties which of course Liverpool won. Um, It's kind of known as the Gerrard final now I think. It's just one of those inspirational strikes that someone like Steven Gerrard produces time and time again. It switches a match on its head and really shows intent. And from that point onwards, all the momentum was with Liverpool. There was another moment for me as well at the weekend when you saw an Englishman stepping up to take a penalty. Whilst, again, I'm not a Liverpool fan, I was like, oh, good, at least Gerrard can still put them away. But it's crazy how Gerrard manages to win so many important games, Mm. cup finals like that. Mm. There was the match talking about England that pretty much saved Fabio Capello's job when they beat Hungary 2-1 as well. That first wonder strike, long-range effort as well. He's just so important. I'm actually really excited about the World Cup because of Steven Gerrard. It'll be the last one he plays and last one for a few of the experienced players. And if players like that and Liverpool's and your cities and and teams are doing well that do have a couple of English players playing for them, I think it's going to be really exciting. And talking of big players, um, the one that I've gone for, you've heard me many times on the podcast since we've been doing it, Girls Talk and yap on about Zinedine Zidane and my love for him. I feel like I've got now the topic where I can justify my <laughs> my love. Um, it's one of my favourite goals ever, let alone being in a final. Um, and it's the European Cup final in 2002 when Zinedine Zidane scored for Real Madrid against Bayer Leverkusen. I'm sure many people already know this strike already, but in case they don't, I have managed to find a link on YouTube. The beauty of the goal, a little bit like Yaya Torres, is that it comes from nowhere, but it is the angle that the ball drops out of the sky. You think, how on earth is Zidane going to connect with this? Um, but he does. It falls at a difficult angle. He just positions his body in some manner to rifle the volley into the top corner. It's absolutely exquisite. One of my favourite goals of all time. So I can't talk about that one enough. Zinedine Zidane from 2002. You must go and have a look at it if you don't look at the link via Offside Rule Pod account. Um, your next one, Hayley. It was hard to choose, actually. There have been a couple of brilliant goals. One's before my time. Ricky Veer, that wonderful slalom-like dribble and a, a very coolly finished goal for Tottenham Hotspur back in the 1981 FA Cup final. It was a replay, actually, against Manchester City. Um, I say it was before my time. I was actually born. I was around, but obviously I wasn't watching football at the grand old age of one. Could go back to 1999, famous season for Manchester United. Famous goals, of course, coming there when you just see sort of Sheringham coming on and you've got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well. Uh, Eric Cantona scored some 
beautiful goals in his time. But the 1996 final, it secured... Um, a league and cup double for Manchester United. Another great strike from him. So keeping it brief, wanted to mention the reason I got that Middlesbrough goal being conceded in 1997 was that a few years later, of course, 2004, Middlesbrough beat Bolton in the final at the Millennium Stadium. The same stadium, of course, that Gerrard scored his goal, wasn't it, Kate, against West Ham. Mm-hmm. It's a good place for Middlesbrough to go. They hate playing at Wembley, always lose there, don't do well. So when the final was around at the Millennium Stadium, they managed to win it after a 100 28 years of not winning anything they've not won anything since then needless to say but it's a 10 year anniversary of Middlesbrough winning um, the League Cup and it just shows how big it is to teams to win the League Cup Manchester City might just think oh that's a little bit of something for us whatever moving on bigger and better things but to some clubs like a Middlesbrough who are at the safety point 40 points in the championship as well we'll come on to that in a little bit <laughs> are celebrating something this year that happened 10 years ago that still means so much to them and I think it's great um, Kate Wilson there you have another well I've got one here which I'll have to post um, a link to because it's one that uh, not that many people will have seen it is scored in a cup final but not a cup final that most people will recognise I've found some footage of a 10 year old Wayne Rooney scoring a wonder goal in a cup final when he was a nipper he actually scored a hat trick in this game he Again, comes out of nowhere, dribbles it past a couple of players, just just hung on to the ball. And what's interesting about Rooney is his physical presence was still prevalent back when he was ten. Still, you know, he wasn't one of these players who started off really, really tiny. He he was very much a physical presence and using that kind of muscle even as a ten year old. So he gets round the opposition's defenders and then knocks it in with a long range strike. Terrific accuracy, even at the age of ten. I was like, whoa, that's amazing. I will post the video up because. It's mouth-watering. It's brilliant. It really is. Just at 10, he was probably playing like he was 20. At 20, yeah. he was playing like he was at 30. Unfortunately, as he's heading for 30, he's playing like he probably would be at 40. <laughs> Poor Retired way. now, yeah. And... And was this in a school cup final or um, a youth final or something that was a final? I couldn't find anything <laughs> out about it apart from the fact that it was a cup final. So to fit into this category, okay. Ms. Hooper, it is a cup final. That's fine. You've shoehorned it in. You've got away with it. Um, My final one comes from a League One playoff final, and it was when Millwall took on Scunthorpe in 2009. This is a very famous goal as well. Uh, For me, nothing will ever compare with the Zinedine Zidane one that I mentioned earlier in terms of finals because it was a European Cup final. But for a League One playoff final, I don't think they come much better than this one. Again, I'll have a link that I will send through and we can get tweeting it out at Offside Rule Pod. Keep an eye on the account. Um, Also on the website as well, Offside Rule podcast.com now the Lions back then they um, in this final they were actually losing they'd gone behind to a six minute goal Um, and it was Gary Alexander who stepped forward and I don't know whether you've seen this already but it's a throw in and he chests the ball down he turns spins and rifles what can only be 35 yarder and Joe Murphy is in the goal at the time it just whistles over him right into the back of the net this one absolutely was intended and Gary Alexander uh, I think has won many awards for this it has been one of the best sort of playoff final goals for Millwall fans it must be one of the goals of all time for them that they cherish I'm Gary Neville and you're listening to the Offside Rule 
We'll move on to topic number two, down and outs. Um, this is all talk about relegation because everything in the news at the moment, all the media, everything that we report on is about the top four. There's still four contenders for the Premier League title race. We know that it's a four-way battle now between Chelsea, Manchester City, Liverpool and Arsenal. Yes, we know. So I thought actually we'll turn our focus, we'll switch it around and look at who you think will get relegated and why. I want you to make your predictions now. We'll start, shall we, and pass round with the Premier League. As it stands with 10 games to go, uh, Fulham are bottom of the Premier League, Cardiff above them, Sunderland, West Brom, Crystal Palace, Norwich, Swansea, all reachable, I guess, in terms of they could potentially drop down into those relegation spots as well. Um, All the way up to 31 points, West Ham, I guess, in 10th place. It's so tight. So who would you say is going to go down? Any takers to say that Fulham won't? Because I think at this precise moment, I think Fulham will. Definitely too much change. They saw real signs of promise, though, against Chelsea. They have had games where they have played well. But at the end of the day, it's all about the important three points. Too many players are a little bit past their sell-by date, I think it has to be said. Um, but just the change at the top, the fact that, that they didn't just get rid of Rennie Mullenstein, who we all thought was a bit of a strange appointment. Anyway, they got rid of all the staff that they brought in. And instead of keeping people like Alan Kirbishley and keeping people like Ray Wilkins and players, ex-players who wanted to be there that the players could look up to, they just completely ripped it up and started again. It just doesn't ever work. I just don't see why they bought Kerbs in. Why, you know, why did they bring Alan Kirbishley in if they're to get rid of him as soon as Mullenstein goes? Now, maybe they were very tight. In fact, I know that Ray Wilkins and Mullenstein were very, very tight but it just doesn't make any sense I thought Kirbishley was there and in waiting in case the Mullenstein plan didn't kind of work uh, around that a couple of odd decisions from Fulham as well Aaron Hughes a defender's played for Fulham for many years who I interviewed a couple of months ago I couldn't understand why they got rid of him mm. to QPR in the transfer window when of course as we know Fulham have let in 5,053 goals this season I mean it's, <laughs> it's a tremendous total um, I'm going to put attention to the next team above them Cardiff who I thought were going to go down from the start to be honest there are some teams when they come up it's a big expectation isn't it when you get promoted to the Premier League to be able to stay there and not that many teams have pulled it off I think we've got used to it over the last couple of seasons because we've had some great um, teams you know the Norwiches of the world and Swansea's who've really taken it by storm but I actually think it's a big ask already so already their favourites probably to go down before it's even got underway they've done nothing to help themselves what I will say is that I think they would have gone down with Malky anyway so I don't think getting rid of Malk is changing anything but I do think that the management change at the time that it came isn't certainly not going to help their cause and they will finish worse off than what they were going to but I still had them as going down. Did you hear the comments from, from Vincent Tan at the weekend he's basically held these supporters to ransom saying well um, I may think about leaving this club and, and kind of pulling out of my financial backing of this club unless the fans get behind me. And it's like, well, the fans don't like you. You know, you have created your own destiny there by getting rid of mm. a very popular manager in Malky Mackay, bringing in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I think he's a great bloke. But look, I could have told you as soon as Solskjaer came in, A, he's a new manager. B, he's being thrown into a relegation fight. C, he's being thrown into the Premier League mm. and a relegation fight. Solskjaer was never going to do it. You know, too inexperienced. I don't see anything inspiring about Cardiff at all. They've got too much to contend with. And Vincent Tan just really not helping their cause at all. So I've tipped them to go down. Have you also tipped Cardiff? Yeah, for pretty much the same reasons. I think Tan as well, just too many negative headlines with him. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a good balance because it's like Mr. Evil versus Mr. Nice Man. You've got Mr. Nice Man and they're just trying to make sure that everybody's kind of okay. He's actually trying to do um, what he wants to do, Ole, and... and 
have them play more creative football, be a bit more adventurous, but they can't afford to do that, unfortunately. No, they, they just need to grind out the results and they need... We'll, we'll move on to West Ham later, but you need real experience. When a team's in that much trouble, you need a really wise old head on someone's shoulders. You're calling Sam Allardyce really old and wise, like an owl. A bit like our England manager. Yes. 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 Um, I think that means that we're all going to now discuss the other team that goes down with them. And this may be where we differ somewhat, because I think for me, Sunderland, who are currently 18th in the table, are going to get out of this. Um, they also have um, a couple of games in hand on the bottom two. Um, so looking at that, I, I'm going to lay my claim. I want this to happen. <laughs> I think I'm going to have the same as you, Lindsay Hoover. I think we I think I think I think we are like minds really and I mainly want this to happen because Wolves are definitely getting promoted the way that we are at the moment we're going up from League One we'll be in the championship and I want the Black Country Derby back (laughs) um in all seriousness I think that West Brom I don't think Pepe Mel is the the guy for that job um I know that his credentials are good but I think that coming back to the West Ham example you needed someone more like a Sam Allardyce that could be able to have been there kept teams up before Um, and if you're going to make those changes when you're towards the bottom um, that's the sort of characters you need to bring in not someone new who's trying to adjust to a new league and all those sorts of things so yes I've gone for West Brom to go down Um, looking at their running as well I can just I just can't see where they're going to get enough points from Um, so West Brom will join for my liking Cardiff and Fulham and Kate Borsay is nodding so vigorously. I've never seen you so enthusiastic. No, because that sounds awful, doesn't it? I'm really, I'm really enthusiastic about West about West Brom going down. I think it's a massive shame, really. I mean, look, they've got a really good setup there, but I think the director of football's left as well now. It's not a happy camp there at all, and they panicked. They got rid of a perfectly good manager in Steve Clark, a perfectly good popular manager in in Steve Clark, and they panicked and they brought in Pepe Mel, who seems like a very lovely guy, but I just think he's a fish out. He just doesn't know what he's doing. What I will say about this, though, before all the West Brom fans go, well, Lindsay's a Wolves fan, she's going to say that. What I will say is they will be back. They will come back up and they will come back up quite quickly if it's not next season, it'll be the season after because that club is run well. Um, It's got a very good chairman and... It's got it's got great players there. I mean, if you look at the infrastructure of the club and the players that they've brought through and the, and the transfers that they've they've done over the years, I have got a lot of respect for them. As much as it pains me to say it, so I do think they'll be back. But I do think it's their turn to go down. It's a real shame, isn't it, to go from Roy Hodgson to um, Steve Clark and then on to Pepe Mel, who's just he's he's not the right man. If you look at their final fixtures, so going into um, say the final six games or so of the season, they've got Norwich, fellow relegation strugglers, Spurs, who are going to be trying to go for whatever they can get they've got Manchester City going to go for top spot West Ham could still be caught in the relegation battle at that point Arsenal trying to get the title Stoke they've got a really tough run of final fixtures they're the third worst team on form and what I've written here really is they just look like they're flailing around at the moment they've got no plan for me Um, I think we have a different option from Hayley McQueen as to who's going to go down to the second tier of English football I don't like to say it because I love Chris Hewton just like I love Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But oh, I, no, you can't. I'm going with Norwich after a 4-1 defeat to Aston Villa. It's just so disappointing. But yeah, he is a popular manager, Mr. Nice Guy. They are four points clear of the relegation zone at the moment, but three of the teams below them obviously have played fewer games. So they're in a bit of a false position there. The reason I haven't gone with Sunderland, same as, as you two, I think, I think they can now concentrate on the league having gone through to the final. I think that will give them a lift as opposed to being deflated. I think they'll take a lot from that performance, particularly going ahead in the first half against a Manchester City. But the reason I think 
think uh, Norwich are going to go down is the last four games. The last four games are crippling. However, they did get the points when they needed them last weekend, didn't they? Not the weekend, this weekend, just gone with Villa, of course. But they did the weekend before with Spurs. Did, and against Hull as well. But that was actually their first win in seven. Home form has actually been decent enough, but they don't score goals. There have been four goals in the last seven games, just two wins in the last 15. Yes, coming up, they may get some points uh, from home games against Stoke. We know they do okay at home. Southampton, they travel away. Then Sunderland and Swansea. However, I think the last four games, home to Liverpool, again, battling for Champions League football. Manchester United, don't know what they're going to be playing for, but they won't want to lose to Norwich towards the end of the season. That is an away trip. They then have to travel away the following weekend to Chelsea and then take on Arsenal. So for me, I don't like to say it, but I've just got a funny feeling it's going to be Norwich over West Brom. I love Norwich. They're one of my pet clubs, so um, I hope not. A pet club? Pet club, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, really interestingly enough, and I'll just pop in with this quickly. In mid-January, we spoke about relegation from the Premier League. Uh, Lisa was with us, Lisa O'Grady from Soccer AM. And both of you, Lisa and yourself, Hayley, went went for Crystal Palace. And what a turnaround there. And I'm really pleased. Um, uh, you went, uh, Lisa went for Fulham. Um, myself and Lisa went for Cardiff. You said uh, Norwich, Crystal Palace and Sunderland, Hayley. What a turnaround for West Ham because they were well in contention in this relegation fight and we hoped that it wouldn't happen I predicted that they would go down because I thought that the board may well you'd lose confidence in Sam Allardyce which I thought would would be a mistake what a good thing it's been for them to hang on to your manager what a great lesson to teach the likes of Cardiff Swansea West Brom who've all panicked by keeping Sam Allardyce I think they've kept themselves in the league a spectacular February they won every single league game in February and those 12 points in my opinion will keep them in the Premier League time now to get Twitter topic of the week from our regular contributor Sean Thorne Twitter topic of the week Hello everyone, it's Sean Thorne here with this week's edition of Twitter Topic of the Week. Now, this week's topic was inspired by a tweet by Jackie Oatley, who uh, said multiple occurrences of your manager's bewildering favourites include Mikel, Cleverly, Flaney, Hunt and Brown at Leeds. Hashtag Demichaelis. So, we thought we'd ask you guys, who are some of the most baffling regular picks by football managers. Now, David Humphreys' choice was Leon Osman. Moyes loved him even when he was awful. Martinez still likes him, but manages him better, in David's opinion. Andy Linnett has also gone for uh, Leon Osman. And sticking with Everton, Sebastian Avery has gone for Tony Hibbert. Stuart Dick's gone for Shola Amiobi as his number one answer. Shafi has gone for Nicholas Bentner for many, many, many years. It's felt like a lifetime. Malcolm, he's gone for Carl Henry, Bobby Zamora and Jermaine Genis, all at QPR. Another one who's not a fan of... Tom Cleverly is old Kieran Sloan. And Tom S has gone for a present-day Millwall one. Spurs loney Ryan Fredericks. Awful, according to Tom. He's got pace to burn, but zero defensive nous and no football brain. Cheers to everyone who got in touch for this week's Twitter topic of the week. I'm Sean Thorne. I'm handing you back to the girls. Thank you very much, Sean. We move on to football donations next. Uh, Lauren Koscielny donated almost half a million pounds to save an accordion factory from closure in France. Uh, How generous of him. Um, It made us think about other donations. I want you to make three each um, for a footballing cause. Now, it can be money, 
an object maybe, maybe even a human being or something that money can't buy. That's one of mine. We're going to start this time with Kate Borsay. Arsenal messed up at the weekend, right? There's a strong likelihood they'll end this season without a trophy. Uh, uh, uh. Oh. I'm going to buy them a trophy. I've been on to trophiesandmedals.com and every other trophy website possible. For about 100 quid, I can knock them up. A fairly basic but fairly decent trophy. So come what may, Arsenal fans, fear not. We'll have to think of the competition that we're going to award you uh, victors of. But come what may, your trophy cabinet will have a trophy in at the end of the season. It might not be for winning the Premier League then, and it might not be a football-related one, and it might not be for Arsene Wenger being able to do up his jacket. Um, What could we give it? Just longest-serving manager. Now that Fergie's gone, this Mm. is the first time Mm. we've been able to do that at the end of a season. how about just for hanging on in there? Yeah, they do that. I think it should be for European football. That seems to be what they're most famous for at the moment. Hayley, I just want to bring up a story about something that blew my mind when it happened. And at the time, I thought it's got to be a bit of a joke. It's just something that somebody's put on Twitter and it's escalated into something that's not actually true. Well, it is. Believe it or not, Danny Alves offered up part of his liver when his teammate Eric Abadal needed a transplant back in 2012. Major, and- isn't it? Absolutely major. Huge. So he genuinely wanted to do it. They went through with discussions and talks with their family, but he decided not to let him go through with it because it may impact his health um, because of the fact he's a sportsman. Decided not to do it, but he genuinely, genuinely wanted to help him out and give him part of his liver. So generous to be able to do that. And it goes without saying, doesn't it, for footballers, no matter how much money they're on a week, it doesn't matter whether they're the Wayne Rooney's of the world on £300,000 a week. If they've not got their health, as we've seen with quite a few footballers over the years, it's not worth anything. Let's talk about football kits. Let's talk about Scotland's new kit. I actually don't mind it. Slightly pink doesn't seem to be very popular with Scotland fans or men in particular. It's fairly girly. I would like to gift Posh Spice to the design team to go and make a new Scotland kit because the one they've got right now just isn't deadly enough. Why Posh Spice? Why not Stella McCartney, for instance, who's had a hand in doing sports kit before? She has, and the Adidas and the Team GB kits have been great. Her husband actually is a big Middlesbrough fan. That would go in her advantage, however. And he's in fashion, Alasdair. Great, from Teesside. But I just think Posh Spice <laughs> having the collaboration of David Beckham helping out with the Scotland kit. What oh, more could we you, want? You're just wanting them Becks to model a kilt, basically, probably yeah. in the old-fashioned way. Okay, the new. <laughs> I can't see the Scotland team loving the peplum dress-styled kit, no. I have to say. But as an investigative journalist going along to cover this story, I would have to find out what is underneath the kill. Otherwise, I just wouldn't be doing <laughs> yeah. my job properly. Yep, there we go. Um, I will throw one in. I, I tell you what, I'm going to go with this one first. So I'm gifting an- anger management is Ooh, one of the okay. things that I'm gifting. And who would you like to take a guess that I may be gifting it to? An anger management course, maybe about hmm. 10 sessions? In the northeast, perhaps. You see, you're thinking that way. Um, could be a number of people. I'm actually not going for players or managers oh, or directors. Oh. Oh. Shall I explain? I'm going for a few mascots. There seems to be a running theme here. With football mascots, they need to get hold of their... Cool. They need to take a chill pill. Um, Cyril the Swan... Um, at Swansea he's been in trouble with the police on many occasions um, a number of occasions in fact Um, he removed the head of Millwall's mascot and drop kicked it in front of the crowd Um, this isn't just a one-off affair not Rory the Lion yes 
Yes. Oh my, that's that a shocker. That would imagine you were actually genuinely a little child under the age of about eight. That would scar you for life. Well, can I just say, Molly loves going to Millwall, my daughter, because she loves Rory the Lion. She spends the whole thing going, "Is Rory coming out again yet?" She'd be absolutely heartbroken if she saw that. I know. Um, well, don't take her to Oldham either to see Chaddy the Owl. Um, he he's a little bit of a tantrumer. He he has a strop every now and again. Um, he twice won the mascot Grand National to his credit. Oh, okay. You know when they race all against each other. With his illegal shoes. <laughs> with his illegal shoes, yes. Um, he had a fight with the Blackpool mascot. This was during a match. Um, Chaddy pulled off the Blackpool mascot's boots, um, Bloomfield Bear, and he hurled them into the crowd. Oh. That was in front of everybody. Another case and wow. point of anger management classes being needed. And I wish I could just leave it there, but there are so many examples of mascots doing this. Even Wolfie at Wolves, he's been caught fighting on the pitch before as well. So I think the mascots need some anger management classes and that's what I'm going to gift to them. So Fred the Red, Gunnosaurus, Wolfie, Chaddy the Owl, they can sit in a class with Alan Pardew <laughs> in his own dress without his mascot outfit and have anger management. Next, who's next? I'm going to give something to Jermaine Defoe. You know he's off to the MLS. Jermaine Colin Defoe. He needs a new middle name. He needs an American-style middle name. Can we we just go with JC? JC, yeah. I was thinking Zach or Brad. Let's go for Tyler for Jermaine. Okay, yeah. Very good. Like that. Excellent. Um... Okay, well, I like that he's having a new middle name, so we're doing something by Deed Poll. Um, I'm doing a donation of a football stadium oh. uh, before we come into your next one, Hayley. Um, I'm donating to Coventry City a stadium in Coventry City um, because at the moment the fans are having to travel all those miles to Northampton to Sixfield Stadium. Do you know what? Their average home attendance now has plummeted down to 2,239 fans. They had an all-time record low of just over 1,000 for one of their games. It's criminal, so I'm donating them a stadium. More people turned up to watch Louis Tomlinson's reserve game at Doncaster, didn't they? Flipping heck. Right, I'm going to have to gift Manchester United Champions League football because they're not going to get it any other way. I'd like to gift Alan Kerbishley a job. Obviously not at Fulham, but in the Premier League. I think he deserves it. He's very gutted to have lost that job. Gift Joe Hart his mojo back and gift Lindsay Hooper a boyfriend. Oh, you've revealed that to everybody now. Brilliant. Um, I'm going to actually go with donating two players to a South West club because I think it's been... We've never had a South West club in the Premier League. Mm. They've been in the top flight before in the old divisions, but not in the Premier League. So I'm going to... You need a shot stopper. So Manuel Neuer and Cristiano Ronaldo can go to Torquay United. Who doesn't like the seaside? We'll get them into the Premier League. Um, And just to finish off, I know this is a fourth one, but a body double for Howard Webb at the moment. Um, I think he needs one. So he can have a body double running the line at one match whilst he referees another without all eyes and speculation and about him because at the moment he's lost something hasn't he Howard Webb used to be like the referee that I looked forward to refereeing a a match and now there's something not right he needs the pressure off he needs to get his confidence back so we'll get him a body double and just divert attention I'm going to gift Ian Holloway a new hat right he's taken to now I'm not sure if this coincides with with Millwall's poor run of form but he's taken to wearing a hat that can only be described as something from the 1940s it's I don't know what the official name for this hat is it's very Oliver Twist 
Yes, it's like something that would belong on the Hovis boy from 1942 <laughs> as he cycled up yeah. to deliver your bread on a Wednesday morning at 5am. I don't know what the hat's called, but in Hayley McQueen's opinion, it looks like a deflated football. I'm going to gift him a top hat. He needs to be the ringmaster yes. at Millwall. He needs to entertain the fans, gather and organise all the troops and get them to stay in the championship. Very good. Um, we're going to have to leave it there, girls, and catch up on all things Bundesliga with Kate Partridge. Following last week's host chat about the Bayern Liga, uh, Bundesliga, Pep Guardiola's record-breaking charges have won again. Neutrals might call it boring, Munichers would call it magnificent, but Bayern's domination is within touching distance of becoming part one of retaining the treble. The league leaders were four goals up within 28 minutes of their 5-1 crushing of fourth-place Schalke. Iron Robin bagged a hat-trick as Bayern made it 48 games unbeaten to go 20 points clear after a record 23 games. Wow. Their cause was helped by the ongoing implosion of Bayer Leverkusen, who slumped to third with their fifth straight defeat all round, a 1-0 home loss to inform Mainz. Cameroon striker Eric Maxim Chupamotting was the host's Achilles heel, scoring with his heel to see the 05s go sixth. And if Leverkusen lose at Hanover and Bayern win at Wolfsburg, then the defending champions could keep their crown if they beat Sami Hoopia's side at the Allianz Arena on March the 15th. Well, the battle for Europe, though, keeps it interesting. Ten points separate second from ninth, with Dortmund now best of the rest after a 3-0 win over Nuremberg. Robert Lewandowski went top of the scorer's charts with his 15th goal this term before he does a Mario Goetze and puddles off to join Pep. And at the bottom, it's Braunschweig and Freiburg, but Hamburg and Stuttgart, who've won the league 12 times between them, are wobbling like blancmange on a seesaw. How the mighty have fallen, except in Munich. Thank you very much, Kate. Uh, thank you very much to, for listening to another episode of the Offside Rule podcast. Go to our website. You can go for the whole back catalogue. We've got blogs up there. I'm sure Kate's going to want me to say about something else. The Offside Rule Daily, we've got as well on the Twitter account. So offsiderulepodcast.com, also at Offside Rule Pod, and we will be back for episode 29, girls, Ooh. next week. Bye-bye. Oh, to be 29 again. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. The female take on football.